Be good. <laughs> Hey there, listeners. Thanks for tuning in to the Monkey Tooth Podcast. This is Andrew, and with my wife, Tiffany, we're doing this thing every week from the road as we travel from California to Alaska and then down to South America, provided everything stays together and the van doesn't fall apart and Tiffany doesn't murder me in my sleep. We are having a great time. Currently in Seattle. We're actually just outside of Seattle at this huge dog park called Marymore. Super, super cool place where Pele can just go bananas. We have been having an amazing time. Um, just a huge, huge thank you to everyone who's been so kind to us in Seattle. Uh, Guillermo, Carlin, Audra, Stevie, uh, you guys have been great. Thank you for everything. We've had great food. We've gone to a climbing gym and had a total, total blast. And a huge shout out to our, our friend, actually a guy from Memphis, Tennessee, Jeff Parker. Jeff, I like you. Tiffany, of course, likes you. And uh, we're just, we're thrilled to death to have you as a friend and as a supporter of the show. Thanks a bunch. Uh, Okay, this episode that's coming up, it's a six-person podcast. And it was recorded at a party. We met the guys you're about to hear from via Chris Ryan's podcast, Tangentially Speaking. It's kind of a, a roundabout story. Anyhow, we got a email from a guy inviting us over to his uh, his legal cannabis farm to uh, to enjoy an evening of grilled food and just sitting around campfires. Sounded good to us. We rolled the dice because you never know. You get an internet, you know, invitation, whatever. You got to be kind of careful. But uh, it paid off. These guys at Old Apple Farm are super cool. We interviewed Trevor, Mike, Dave, and Greg who are the, uh, the sort of owners and operators of this uh, incredible operation. They, uh, they are well-educated, just hip, intelligent dudes who really care about what they're doing. And they all live together on the farm for the most part and, and work hand-in-hand. And they just they really respect each other and are, are honest about their own limitations and appreciate the strengths of their coworkers, their their buddies, their friends that they work with. It's a it's a cool work environment. I've not had an environment like that in my working life. Um, I don't know if Tiffany has or not, but it, it it's something rare to see. And uh, hopefully, we captured some of that on this podcast. Uh, uh, like I said, we're sitting not far from a campfire. There's people talking in the background. There's music playing. There's dogs running around. And we were passing the mic uh, between the four guys and bet- another mic between Tiffany and I. So hopefully the audio quality doesn't drive you nuts. I think it's okay. But anyhow, that's what's coming up in this episode. Before we get there, I want to say thank you to all the Patreon supporters and all the GoFundMe supporters. You guys are making this thing happen for us. Uh, we're, we're just thrilled to death that anyone even listens to this show, much less decides that it's worth their money to support. Um, it, it's... It's huge. I can't even tell you. It's enormous. 
it's helping us uh, pay for our increasingly expensive van, which um, is a blessing and a curse. Uh, we had to fix some things in the van recently, but uh, fortunately I was able to fix them at Old Apple Farm. So I had some things sent there, uh, did the repairs in their driveway. Um, and that's largely paid for by Patreon and GoFundMe supporters. Uh, no joke, it really helps. Thank you. Uh, if you're leaving us reviews on iTunes, we thank you. If you haven't, get to it. It really helps people find our show that would not otherwise be turned on to it. So just even if you just click a rating, that's helpful. You go to iTunes, your, your iTunes store, and just click a rating. Or take a moment and say something about the show. It all helps. Um, and on our Patreon page, I'm actually, uh, we're, we're updating, putting a lot of information there that we're not necessarily putting everything everywhere else. It's free. Anybody can look at it. It's open to the public, but we're just pumping a little bit more towards Patreon because it's kind of a cool format. <laughs> it works awfully fast and, uh, and I kind of like it. So maybe go over there and check it out. All right. I hope you enjoy this upcoming episode. We had a great time making it and, uh, there's many, many more to come. All right. Enjoy. Oh, one more thing. Charis Ford. Thank you for everything. Okay, that's it. Here it comes. Old Apple Farm. Enjoy. Old Apple Farm. We're sitting in it. We're having a barbecue. Hanging out, uh, I got the four founding fathers. Would that be fair enough to say? Founding, that sounds good. Founding yeah. fathers. Welcome, welcome to Old Apple. Yeah, founding brothers. We got uh, Trevor, Mike, Dave, and Greg, uh, and Tiffany's here with me. Yes, she is. Yeah, there she is. <laughs> Maybe a couple other friends sitting around the fire. Yeah, some folks around the fire. We got a bunch of dogs. One of whom is named uh, Noodles, and you just told me the story about Noodles. Anybody want to take that one? Well, he was your uh, dog, Mike. Mike. <laughs> this is Mike. My wife's a uh, a big uh, dog rescue person, and we were fostering Noodle. He was a street dog in Taiwan, and uh, we decided to adopt him and named him Noodle Soup, which we figured is what he'd have been turned into had he stayed there. So, you know, we wanted to keep him true to his roots. Yeah, What's man. the equivalent of a lady boy for dogs? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> noodle Soup, yeah. That might have been what he was. Yeah, Noodle's confused about a lot That's of stuff. Awesome. <laughs> Sexuality, everything. <laughs> Why not? Why not? So uh, I, it's called Old Apple Farm, but uh, we're not selling apples here. We I got mean, plenty I, of apples, though. You can eat yeah. some apples, but you can't buy no apples around here. <laughs> uh, what? This is the very first, uh, like, fully above-board legal pot farm I've ever been on. Oh, that's so exciting. I mean, for us. I, I, you know, I'm, we've just left Sonoma County, where the wine industry is. You know, it's great. I appreciate the craft. I appreciate it all. It's not my scene. I, I can't. Um, I can't stomach listening to people talk about it. it. Just it does not appeal to anything in me. You know. And I'm we're a not curious. As, we're not as snooty. There's definitely. <laughs> that's where I'm we're heading. More down to earth. That's where I'm heading. There's a definite lack of snoot. But there's smoky undertone. Yeah, yeah. I didn't hear that once today. I heard all kinds of incredible okay. like. Uh, references to botany and entomology and, you know, real biology and science and engineering and some really in, ingenious shit that, like, you're not going to hear um, at a winery because, I guess, you know, 
you do want to hear about, well, it tastes like boiled shoe leather and high fructose <laughs> corn syrup. You know, like, go fuck yourself with everything you got. But in this context, I mean, you guys, you do, there are flavors, there's favor, flavor profi- profiles. Ter- what? The terpenes. Yeah, terpenes, the terpene yeah. profiles. So we'll get into maybe some of that. But what first, um, if you guys don't mind, I got four, four dudes sitting here. Uh, and I wanted to. Um, Sounds like a good time. It's a, you know, <laughs> Tiffany has not stopped smiling. Since we got here. Yeah. <laughs> let, me, let me just get in a little closer yeah, get here. A little closer. <laughs> we've, been, we've been in the car a long time, and it's only been a week. So um, I, it's kind of to me, and I'm, I'm coming in this as a I don't know shit, uh, which is my most comfortable uh, position, but. The, the ingenuity and the sort of craft and the, the work that I've seen put into this, I don't know that people get. And I don't think, I mean, none of you guys are wearing corduroy or hemp clothing. Like, I don't, you all don't smell bad. I just cut my dreadlocks off. <laughs> just, just yesterday. I don't smell anything other than, like, barbecue fire and maybe a hint, a sousson of pot in the air. <laughs> you know, I don't, so, like, this is not, I, I, we'll put a picture up on Instagram, but this is not, like, a granola. We're not sitting at a, a fish festival or, like, string cheese incident, like, this could be a commercial for fucking uh, a surfboard company. <laughs> we could be working for REI here. But, uh, you know, these are four good-looking, smart dudes. And if I could get each of you to just kind of tell me, I mean, I mean, you've got, you seem like some well-educated, pretty bright dudes that I, I, I'd like you to just, each of you kind of give me, like, how you got here. Is that, you mind doing that? Yeah. Yeah, we can, I guess. Come on, I guess Trevor. We'll ex- extend the mic down the row. We have a huge train here. We're, ru- <laughs> we're running a train on this mic. We'll just say that. You see the bats flying around. <clears throat> oh, yeah, nice. Well, Trevor, tell me all about it, man. Um, so b- before this all got started, David, one of the other partners you'll be hearing from here, him and I were going to start a farm down in California, Southern California, right by LA up in the mountains. And we were looking at property. We had our applications in for our loans and our down payments. And we had a, another buddy of ours, a farmer that we, uh, had come out and look at our property and everything was coming together. And I was talking to Mike, another partner you'll hear here in a sec and uh mike told me you know keep me posted on how everything goes i'm kind of thinking about doing everything the same up here in oregon this is all really exciting what a cool market and so i kept him posted and meanwhile i moved to new zealand while still working on everything i mean it's the modern world i can do everything online so i still was working on everything online and mike and i stayed in touch and uh next thing you know we realized like why not just team up, do this thing, do it together, and do it in Oregon. And uh, him and Greg had already been talking. Greg was working down in California on a, he had his own farm as well. And so I cut my trip short, living in a camper van in New Zealand, moved to Oregon, and Mike and I got this got this shit rolling. So <laughs> helping the case that this is not a hippie enterprise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, here, I'll, I'll fix that. <laughs> so uh, Mike lived off the off-site, and I stayed with him while him and I built the tiny house that David and I now live in on premises. I always wanted to have a tiny house, and for for no other <laughs> for no other reason, I guess, than to say I live in a fucking tiny house. You've done, it. You've done, done. It. Yeah. yeah, how progressive. <laughs> this and it's Portland area, so might as well. Yeah. Um, 
So we we built the tiny house, and as soon as the shipment came in of our our greenhouses, which we researched uh, every type of greenhouse out there and weighed our cost and everything like that, and just finally decided on one. Once it showed up, we kind of cut things short on the tiny house. Some things still aren't finished to this day. <laughs> <laughs> some you know some beams are showing, but I'm pretty sure exposed beams increase your your oh, value, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. That's a big thing now. It is. Um, we got an open floor plan. I think that's <laughs> that that's, yeah. that's a big value kick. Yeah. And uh, so so once that showed up, I mean, we were just best buddies and got things started. And we realized pretty quick, like, hey, we need we need more hands on the property. And Mike had another buddy that he grew up with as a teenager. And uh, he had more experience in construction. Him, Mike and I were more like, uh, how do we build this? Let's YouTube that shit. <laughs> <laughs> so we were YouTubing quite a bit. Um, and so we got Mike's buddy Kenny in and started building more. And Greg showed up and kept building. And it was one of the worst winters of, uh, from what I hear, at least 50 years. I'm from SoCal, uh, so it never rains. Yeah, I grew up in the beach. bad winter to you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I love the yeah. snow. I'm used to the snow, but I'm not used to what was going on last winter and we had freezing rain we're building a greenhouse of metal pipes and it's raining water down and the water on the pipes as it's running onto our hands is turning into ice icicles running down our hands we had a burn barrel just an oil barrel of wood a bum barrel and we're like thawing our hands as we're building this thing but we knew that uh we got the licensure application in right right at the front end of this whole recreational thing. And we knew if we're going to make this happen, it's got to happen now and we got to be ready. So before we were even licensed, we had already built a greenhouse and we were starting on our second one. And, uh, you know, like I had mentioned, Dave and I, we were planning on starting one in California and we stayed in touch as this was starting and you know, you don't, it's not like you're trying to brag, but every time I'm talking to Dave, I'm just telling him like, it's gorgeous out. Our property's incredible. We have a greenhouse up. This tiny house is incredible. Like we, everything's coming together so great. And, and Dave, uh, just had always wanted to be in it as well. Hadn't been in, in the industry for so long just knew I, I have to be up there with you. And I knew as well, like we were already going to do this. We, you have to be up here for sure. Um, so we got him up here, uh, and he immediately hopped on with us and started building greenhouses with us. And next thing you know, you know, we got licensed and we were ready to rock. I mean, we were planting on day one of licensure, day one of licensure. We were, we had, you know, 200 plants ready to rock. And <clears throat> yeah, so uh, we we hit the ground running, and before we were even licensed, just in the in the plans of things, we were already getting approached by investors. Hey, you know, like this is this is such a great opportunity. You guys have a great thing going. Let us, we'll give you ten million dollars. Let us get involved, and we're no, wow. you know, we're doing just fine on yeah. our own. And and uh, with the Oregon market that's going on right now, we definitely were smart to do that so, so many lucky we didn't take outside money yeah. not only were we lucky that we Good didn't move. take it but lucky that we were in a position that we didn't need to yeah. um this you is know self-financed so totally self-financed and not only that but self 
uh, owner run. I mean, yeah. everybody, we work every day, all day from growing to selling. I mean, Mike is a beast in the market as far as selling goes and uh greg and and uh myself and dave you know we we do the farming and the growing and we don't we don't need any help and you know as much as it always helps to have help yeah. <laughs> we it, it's so much fun just doing it yourself yeah. i mean we we know what needs to be done and we know that there's you know five thousand dollar this and ten thousand dollar that that makes things just that much easier right but we know what the equipment does and we yeah. think to ourselves how can we make that yeah how can we not only how can we make that but how can we use what we have sitting here on the property yes. to make that yeah <laughs> and so we have yeah and sometimes yeah sometimes better than they do yeah. so we've taken We've taken things, whatever we have handy and our knowledge at hand, and we've built this thing from the ground up and made it work. And I mean, to this day, we've been running for over a year now. To this day, every single day, we think to ourselves, how can this be better? Let's make it better. And we grab scrap parts tools from the shop anything that we have and we think okay how can we make this this thing that those guys are selling for way too much money right. like people are just how many pallets have you taken oh oh yeah i mean <laughs> we get our soil delivered on pallets and i will take apart those pallets and build yeah. new things out of yes. those pallets <laughs> that work towards our advantage i mean we don't need the top of the line you can make the exact same thing yourself and that's what we love. Like, I mean, our soil's regenerative. Our water is from a natural spring on the property, reservoir with fish, you know, over 2,000 koi that are on the property. We're sun-grown. All of our flowers are finished under the sun, and we have full climate controls. And even though we have what is advertised as the top of the line climate control system that climate control system is us yeah it's you guys I've seen we it. are day in day out hour by hour walking around Working it. adjusting the timer adjusting right. the thermostat adjusting Look, I, the dehumes i'm ready to buy i'm ready to buy bring it uh, just, we got the best we got i, I want to get i want to make two points one uh i've not been offered a single puff of a single flower, nothing. I've been here There's for hours, not a thing. I'm ready We're to buy. We're highly regulated. We're highly <laughs> regulated. We're, we I can't just, smoke ourselves even. I just no, want to say, I just want to say, no, I, I'm sold. We took a tour earlier, it's amazing. And I, I want to ask you a, a zillion questions about the process. But yeah. at, at right now, I do I do kind of want to catch each of your like, and I appreciate that, Trevor. I'm not trying to shit on what you just oh, said. Oh, no, 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 I kept going. I'm a no, rambler. No, 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 it's rambling. all good. But there, uh, I, I want to, uh, I, what what kind of fascinates me about the whole thing is that it is just like it's just you four that are diving I mean head first into a pretty brutal industry I mean you're coming up when I say brutal I mean I, I, I've read a statistic that like pot sales are outselling soda like uh, aggregate in general pot sales are outselling soda that's pot an, saves. So, that's an soda enormous kills. that's an enormous thing if you would have told anybody 10 years ago that that was possible they'd, they'd said well oh, maybe yeah. i doubt it if you had said that 20 years ago they'd tell you go fuck yourself there's no way that's ever happening so like you're in the in the on the cusp of some really wild wild uh industry and i'm uh i don't know i feel fortunate to have the opportunity to sit down with you so i want to know who each of you are yeah. and like yes. how no it's all good no, no, no. I, I, but I, I appreciate that trevor but i want to know like 
I mean, how did you? I mean, never mind. Yeah, you, you, you've you've made the decision to get here, but like, how did you get to the point to making the decision to get here? Like, what's your background? How'd you how'd well, you land I mean, here, Mike? Speaking of Mike, get over there. Mike into the mic. Oh, sorry, I'm, 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 I'm Mike, on, Mike on the mic here. Um, yeah, no way. Uh, so so my, my path to it was kind of funny. I, I never really, um, you know, all of these guys had experience in the industry before coming here, and this was my first, uh, my first time having anything to do with it. And uh, I had literally never even seen a pot grow before we put our plants in veg. Um, but I actually, I had a, a, a large sales organization in California for years. And then when my little girls were born, my wife and I decided we wanted to raise them back up here in Oregon. And uh, and so we shut everything down down there and moved up here. And I spent a couple of years climbing and hanging out with my kids and kind of realized I needed to get a job. And so, <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, and I got into it actually from the real estate standpoint. We were looking for, um, you know, various types of real estate investments and realized that it was really hard to generate a positive capital return on most real estate in Oregon because the market had been so overheated for so many years. And um, we were actually looking at a mobile home park that had a big uh, warehouse on it. And uh, and I was thinking to myself, like, oh, my, my brother-in-law grows. Maybe we can get him up here. And so that kind of got the wheels going. And I started crunching numbers and realized, well, hey, there, there might really be something interesting here. And the original plan was kind of to just develop and maybe lease a space or something like that. But as... Uh, Is that the feds? Is that the, hey, no, we don't have to no. worry about yeah. that anymore. No, they, they use the helicopters anyway. Fly they can fly over. Fly over. I can sleep. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I never had that experience, but but you know. So anyway, I, I got into it looking for a real estate play originally, and uh, and that was kind of my my um, intro into it. And then as things got going, I really got much more involved with the planning, and we really quickly realized we needed to develop. Um, a business model that would give us a unique advantage and that's where kind of our low production cost high quality combination where we can you know really put out really nice flour some of the best rec flour in Oregon at half the price that a lot of our competitors can do and so we yeah we you know I started basically calling up my buddies and the people I trusted and wanted to work with and was like hey let's you know let's take a run at this and give it a shot and uh and it's just been an absolute blast. Well, you certainly knocked it out of the park as far as real estate is concerned. I mean, this is, we're on, we haven't made this clear yet. We're on 23 acres of just gorgeous uh, Oregon, uh, just forest. Don't forget the well, Frisbee golf course. Well, yeah. there's, so there's, <laughs> there's a horseshoes, yeah, gun range. There's you a saw, funny you saw story the future there. in this because you told me. Yeah, the axe throwing. Well, yeah. <laughs> so, so, you know, and this was actually, this was the 143rd property that I physically yeah. visited when I was looking for a farm. And uh, it's very difficult to find the combination of water rights, um, you know, um, sun, flat pad to build on all those things. Um, but we found this property, which was just awesome. And we had, it has a natural spring, which got us around some of the water rights concerns. And, um, 
the place was on the market for four hours, uh, actually before we went into escrow. <laughs> and wow. in those four hours, they had six offers. Wow. <laughs> and uh, ours was not the highest, but we were the only ones that said that we would uh, take care of getting rid of all the old junk from the people who had lived here previously. So uh, we had an estate sale for them and gave them all the proceeds. And then we filled two 40-yard dumpsters with debris from just inside wow. a 2,800-square-foot house. Oh, my God. <laughs> have you ever 40 seen... 40-yard dumpsters? Have you ever two seen... 40-yard I didn't know dumpsters. a 40-yard dumpster existed. So those are oh, like... Yeah. It's, it's two yeah, full it's like semi-trucks. Semi yeah, yeah. Okay. And that was just from the stuff that was inside the farmhouse that we had to throw away. But, you know, at the end of the day, we, you know, we were kind of like, hey, we can we can give these guys an advantage by just being like, hey, we'll yeah. take care of everything. You yeah. can just walk and hand it over. Can and do and it attitude takes you a long way. Man, it was a lot of work, but uh, but we ended up in the right spot. Yeah. So you know, it was it was. Time Have you ever spent. been in a room with like 400 porcelain dolls? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Because be like in a salvia trip that, that made once. A <laughs> that happened. Nightmare. Oh, no, that That's what the house, the house was. Yeah. It the was, whole house. It was scary. Just these glass shelves all along the. Just built dolls. up from the ground up and porcelain dolls on stands and they there, had all the boxes and they in left the barn. There yeah. were they sold a well, lot they of them, sell the, them in the estate yeah. sale. <laughs> well, and oh there were God. mobiles. There were probably two hundred mobiles hanging in the living room, oh like various God. things hanging from the ceiling. It was it was like hoarders, except except that doesn't really do it credit because it was really well organized <laughs> and curated. Yeah. So like hoarders and intervention somehow. Yeah, combined. yeah, <laughs> and then you like combine. It, it was it was like it was like if you took like the you know the, the founding fathers of the Louvre and like raised them in like East Kentucky <laughs> it, it, like you, you'd have some idea of the of the uh, of how this was set up oh that's perfect got it got it now very very clear <laughs> all right uh Greg man let's get the right. mic over yeah pass the mic how's here. that is that right. good let me check you out it looks pretty good all right so how did I get started in all this? Yeah, man, where'd you come from? Um, you know, I lived in California. I was from the South originally, Louisiana and Texas, and uh, lived in California for 20 years. But uh, in California, I worked for a software company right out of high school. And uh, in 2000, right out of high school. Yeah, right out of high school. Wow, that's yeah, impressive. I was a little hacker in high school. Yeah, you know, one of those guys. <laughs> Got in some trouble with the feds. Oh no! <laughs> but all for the so all you, for the so best. So you decided to grow weed. So yeah, 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 it's a pretty <laughs> smart. <laughs> yeah. No, I, mean, I got I got picked up by this software company, uh, girlfriend's mom. But I worked there for nine years, and it was all going great. But the uh, the the economy kind of fell apart, and software companies in two thousand eight, yeah. with all that money being thrown around, they just kind of decided to shut down. And I found myself unemployed and not expecting to be so. And my family had land in, in Santa Barbara County. And we decided as a group to start growing weed. The, the Kelly case in 2008 was kind of the deciding factor where the federal government uh, decided that if someone's following the state laws, their land isn't going to be seized. So we kind of swing at the fences. We ordered some clones. I built out, we had a storage warehouse on the property. I built that out, 35 lights. <laughs> very ambitious, very ambitious. But uh, it worked out really well. It, it turns out that I had a proficiency for it. And, uh, you know, I mean, my first season, I was, I was growing stuff that was 
considered fire. You know, at the time, I, I had no clue what I was doing. I just kind of followed the books I was reading. <laughs> and uh, that all worked out. And I, I did that for about eight years. And uh, I just wanted to stop with the, the labor work. You know, I'd, I'd developed a skill so much. So I got into consulting and uh, decided to go big, get the greenhouses and everything going. And then I had my first walk on from the police. <laughs> And uh, that's when I started realizing, like, what kind of bureaucracy California is all about. And, you know, they couldn't come after us because we followed all the laws like they told us to do. We had all the patients we needed. We weren't making a profit that was unreasonable. And uh, they couldn't really do anything but come after our infrastructure. So then they started coming after our greenhouses, saying they weren't permitted. They weren't this far apart and this and that. The grading wasn't permitted. And, and so... It just became this long, drawn-out battle with the county. I had three farms, and they were all three just fights with the county. And then Mike called me up, and he had some questions about growing. And, and I answered them, and I told him, you know, to the best of my knowledge, what he can expect and, you know, what the industry, you know, how it kind of works. And, uh, you know, what you'd need to invest to get a recreational farm going. And then he says... You know, would you like to come up here and, and grow with me? And I had been dating Allie for a while, Mike's sister-in-law. It was now my wife. To she's, your right. she's standing Hello. over here <laughs> watching me in. bumble Hello. along with this. But uh, so, uh, you know, we had lived in California for a couple of years on, a, on our ranch. And uh, when Mike called me up and asked me to come along, I, I jumped at the opportunity. I, I had always admired Mike as as someone who can look at a thing, figure it out, and get it done. Mike just gets after it. Yeah, but I mean, he, he, he can know nothing about a thing, and then 10 minutes later, blow you away with the knowledge that he has. It's, it's uncanny. I've never met anyone who's got his proficiency for, for picking up things. And so I always told myself, I don't know if I've ever told him this, but... I mean, the reason I came up here is, is only because of him, you know. I always told myself, if I ever got the chance to work with him, I would jump at it. And, and he put it before me, and I had my farms, and it was lucrative. But I just didn't like the bureaucracy, and, and a chance to work with Mike was, was really huge for me. So, so I jumped on that and uh, came up here. Not really sure what to expect, you know. I mean, growing in Southern California, I did seven seasons of open air and two seasons of greenhouse. I, I still don't feel like I got a whole grasp on everything, but, I mean, that's the nature of agriculture, right? Yeah. It, no one can agree on anything. So I, I came up here and uh, I worked with Trevor and Mike to do the setup, and I was just amazed. Trevor had worked on a fishing boat in Alaska, I mean, Mike had worked on a fishing boat in Alaska. Uh, Kenny, you know, Mike's buddy, he did the same. And I mean, these guys know what it's like to put in 100 hours a week and know that the following week is going to take 110, you know, and just continue to work through it. And so that was just amazing to me. And then Dave came on and Dave... 
Dave is very fortunate timing for me, considering <laughs> I didn't have to deal with the ice. <laughs> Everything yeah, is already you done. Got, you got to miss <laughs> the initial <laughs> build out. After yeah. And you had yeah. your house built for you too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah very convenient. Uh, Trevor was nice enough to save one of the side shingling projects. So <laughs> I had my hand in. You had one it. wall of the uh, tiny. So, you know, anyone I, I ever meet. Oh yeah, I built that. Yeah. Oh, allow me. And um, and you're also the last in line to explain yeah, your origin yeah. story. So you yeah, get, yeah, you get time to like make yours up. <laughs> right. I'll keep it short and sweet. No, uh, it's it. just my style. Um, I am from Wisconsin, and I uh, I came when I was 23. Graduated from college and was kind of you know lost for a better you know best use of words there, and uh, ended up finding my way into the ganja farms in Calaveras County and did a lot of trim work and uh, focused on that year after year and eventually kind of found my way here because I wanted something that I was involved in where I could have my hand in it, where I could actually say that I grew it. I helped in the whole process instead of just the end result and, and the trimming. And it was, it was, um, backbreaking for me. Not that this job isn't with, with all that it entails, but it was, it was mentally frustrating for me and, uh, watching all my friends succeed with, this development of what they started and the property they bought and the farm that they had now and years later and so um having this experience and coming up here after what was it eight years or so in california back and forth from southern california and big bear from ski instruction with trevor where i met him to calaveras and monterey i had a good friend from college in uh in wisconsin that is now the uh, number one cuddle ac- ac- cuttlefish expert in the world. Really? He worked at the Monterey Bay Aquarium. <laughs> oh, that's super cool. He's now in... Um, how, how do you get to be a cuttlefish expert? Uh, you you know, really the, a lot of cuddling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, like, that's the way to even, put it. I don't even know he, what that is. He's... Um, like yeah, half, he's always a, he's always had that passion and, and uh, graduated with a marine biology major and ended up um, finding... Uh, connections with his first job at Toyon Bay. His name's Brett Grassi and worked with uh, a high school uh, kind of retreat center of sort and then moved to Monterey and ended up introducing me then to all of these ganja farmers. And uh, from that, we had relationships grow and have a bunch of the same friends now. And stay in touch often, but he has uh, yet to visit the farm, but I've had several friends that have, and they all absolutely fall in love with it the moment they're here. Um, As we have. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, We've just canceled our trip. We now work. (laughs) Right? Yeah. I'm clocking in at 5 a.m. We're just going to live over there. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Well, surprisingly, too, my parents um, vary against marijuana uh, i always called it grass too i love calling it grass yeah so is what it was when i grew up and always puffing grass but um, <laughs> that's how you paid for stuff you had cash grass or ass that's yeah you, no yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> no not never never oh, um, so, so yeah. sorry Ed. yeah yeah never. And, uh, <laughs> my parents fell in love with this place and uh, you know the the first the first harvest we had i'll never forget it my dad's here uh has his hand in in the mix and and helping everybody out and my mom's sitting right next to him reading a book 
and Aww. the sweet smell of ganja is around. And Aww. I just, it couldn't have been sweeter Your for me. Your life was completed, It huh? was oh, complete. And the, the, the conversations with my brother, he was, I could tell he was rolling his eyes, just could not believe what was happening. <laughs> and so ever since, it's been... It's been uh, just an absolute blessing for me to have their good graces, and absolutely, they want to Cheers. they want Cheers. to always come back, and they will soon. But hopefully, we'll have them for our uh, luau pig roast, which oh, yes. we do every year. And uh, I say every year. This is only our second year, <laughs> yeah. but but it won't yeah. stop. It oh, will not really stop. Best and uh, yeah, July 14th. yeah, man. Yeah, cool. l- lots of fun. So there's just there's so much to this farm that I enjoy, and uh, the friendships that we've built, the the four of us in particular. Um, you know, I couldn't ask for a better crew, and we all get along very well, and. Uh, you know, again, like uh, like Trevor explained, we live in the massive 260 square foot house, <laughs> yeah. and uh, it, it's you know it, it, it yeah. really it, to anyone else you'd think that we'd have uh, one one would have taken the other's life by this, this yeah. point, and we <laughs> or we, taken their hand in yeah, marriage. Yeah, those are the only two <laughs> yeah. options. But we we've <laughs> made it that. we've made yeah. it this far, and we're we're totally uh, you know uh, on the course for. For marriage, for good, yeah, good for frisbee golf. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. There is actually a frisbee golf here on the premises. I, yeah, I love that. In the cool. midst of all this hard work, you're like man, we work so hard, 10, 12 hours a day. We did manage to build a frisbee golf course. Yeah, yeah, and it, yeah, yeah. right. No, it's it's a, it's a perfect break from work too. Yeah, you know, you you close down tarps and the sun's out for. An extra couple hours after the greenhouses get blacked out, and we hit an evening roundup, and it's just you know I, I can't I can't beat it. commonality of it all i mean it seems like clearly mike you're the glue that sort of every all the flies <laughs> have stuck to but uh there there's there's something else i, I kind of wanted to touch on that greg you brought up um you know that agriculture it, as far as agriculture is concerned like the way things work how you get information how um how you learn things in agriculture. Typically, there's an extension service at a university who's testing things out. You got entomologists <laughs> yeah. working things out for you. I mean, I, I, I met entomologists from uh, Mississippi State who had figured out how to beat the boll weevil. And it took people forever, <laughs> you know. Little weevil. Little boll weevil. I mean, I that was that no song. joke, That's man. Yeah. That was no joke. I mean, that took uh, years of research and teams of scientists. And what I'm seeing here, like when we went through your greenhouses and just seeing the... I mean, of course, my favorite part of the greenhouse was that you used like a hose fitting to make the door handle work. <laughs> Talk about those. That That's Kenny. Brilliant. Yeah. But uh, and, and there's so much like kind of deep. There, there's plant yeah. psychology for one. There's uh, there's entomology. There's 
biology, there's all kinds of botany, there's all kinds of information. But I'm just, how do you guys, where's that come from? I mean, what are you div, like pulling from people in the past? Well, are you making this shit up as you go along and just looking up words in the dictionary to tell people on tour, like, no, this is great. Yeah, I mean, there's, I there's a long from. answer and a short answer. I I'll, mean, the short I'll answer the is one. you buy some books on Amazon and you just start growing. But <laughs> the long answer is it's, I mean, if you look at any form of agriculture, tomatoes or, you know, pumpkins, it's, it's a large group of people disagreeing with each other about the best way to approach things. And what you have to do is you have to look at all of that information and you have to look at what you've seen as a result of your actions. And you kind of got to say, whatever they say is just BS. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's actually interesting because there, there are two major camps in the weed industry that are considered the foremost in, uh, in information in, in weed growing and they disagree on one very critical point um, and it just would seem that with our ability to look at information and look at our inputs and look at, at how the plants react there should be a definitive answer to this situation and there just isn't still not huh well who, no. who are they who are the two definitive groups oh man I don't want to get into I don't want to get into <laughs> meme gate oh, okay. but uh, I was just curious yeah. no I mean Dr. Dr. Elaine Ingham and and uh, some of the people that have that have worked under her say some things about neem seed meal I mean this is just one thing that we've come across this last week you know, and, and then Clackamas Coot, who's kind of like the the soil guy, the guy. I just want to agree with Clackamas Coot on oh, well, general principles. Oh, of course, principle. we're in Clackamas like, County, right? Yeah, like. <laughs> but, you know, they, they disagree in very major ways about neem seed meal. And, you know, I mean, that's just one input of two dozen that you deal with. And uh, the things that they say, like one one is saying that uh, the 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 mycelium the 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 fungal growth that you get is botrytis and one is saying that it's mycorrhizae one is very beneficial the mycorrhizae and one is very bad for you the botrytis so you know there's there really isn't a path that you can follow that someone has laid out for you you have to make the decisions yourself you have to get a microscope and do the research yourself and and learn it all I mean I'm not agriculturally background I mean. I grew up in Louisiana. My grandfather had corn farms and he raised cattle and, and every amount of vegetables that we ate was all grown ourselves. But it was never really a concern. It was just compost. And by compost, it's like worm castings, you know, more with what we would consider today to be worm castings. And if you look at the science behind it, it all just makes sense. It's just grow it yeah yeah it's you been know? done do, do yeah. it do it again and then do it again right. and then when you find something you like stick with it well there was something trevor that you said earlier on the tour that i thought was kind of fascinating in like your approach to um to working with these plants like it's more than just um a function of like what you were saying uh greg about paying attention to the mycelial network and and learning you know the the botany and the, all the things behind it, you had uh, a, a method of just observation that I thought was kind of kind of cool. Like you're in there looking at the plants. I mean, you're, you've cultivated a, an ability to, def, you know, you can tell one strain from another just by looking at the leaves, at the flowers, 
And and you were talking about other things about the plants that you observed that are, I don't know, not the sort of things I thought were going on in pot farms. You know? <laughs> so would you mind sharing any of that? Yeah. Um, the, Do you know what I'm saying? I, I, yeah. <laughs> Am I making any sense? I, I, <laughs> I, I totally get it. And when I try to explain it to people sometimes, yeah, I definitely get a, a blank stare. The, the one thing that you get a, a kind of a blank look when you say is oh I let the I let the plants tell me what to do <laughs> and uh, and it's just so true I mean so when I was in college I, I studied biology and chemistry and I, I definitely uh, took a number of courses in botany and entomology and the coolest thing about botany to me and plants was they are seriously they are just like people and animals except yeah they're they're kind of stuck in one place but they, they do move. They just, their feet never move, right, you know? Right, And uh, they'll tell you what they want. They'll, they'll tell you what nutrients they need. They'll tell you where, and we, you know, we top our plants and we do, uh, we lit, we do low intensity training and, and uh, super cropping. We've, we've seriously tried it all. And they'll tell you where they want the top to be topped. Yeah. They'll tell you what nutrients and what organics and and what micro life they want in their soil and we we are as close as we can be and and still moving forward to being regenerative and you know we add our our bacteria and our fungal to the soil we allow we're trying to boost our our uh, protozoa to eat those to feed the plant to break down the nutrients and then the plant not only to uptake those nutrients, but then they thank everything in the soil, which then keeps the cycle going. Um, so many growers, they force feed their plants, and you can only imagine what right. that does. Yeah, um, the feel of pot. Who wants to? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's they're a serious. They're a life. They're a, they're a life source, a being that we're just here to help, and. Uh, they don't even really need our help, and that's the new thing that people are finally coming to realize is we've tried for so long to manage how they grow, and it turns out they've been growing for this long for a reason. They don't need our help. Yeah. They have all the life. If you provide it, because we're growing in pots, but we do a living soil setup, but if if they have everything they need in the soil, they'll. it's a cycle. They will talk to each other, and they will get yeah. what they want. Yeah. They don't. They don't need us for anything. But right. you know, we're in a greenhouse. So we got to water them. Right. And well, we do. We make compost teas. And yeah. You know. Oh, you guys put a lot into it. I mean, just the the, uh, the koi pond, the <laughs> whole thing. I do want to comment on that. Um, what 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 Trevor said about letting the plant show you what it wants. If I were to say about what taught me to grow the most, I would say it was super lemon haze. That's I, a strain of a strain of wheat. Of grass? Yeah. Would you say super lemon haze? I would I would say it's 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 my favorite. Okay. But I didn't know how to grow. I didn't grow in agriculture. My family did when I was a kid, but when I started growing I had to read books and learn about it, and that's really hard to do because it's really hard to tell you what's going to happen. And if I were to say what taught me how to grow, it wasn't Jorge Cervantes's book, it wasn't the Grow Bible, it was Super Lemon Haze. The plant itself taught me how to grow because it was, of all the strains I grew, I think in my first season I grew 10 different strains, but of all the strains I grew, it was 
the one that was most reactive to my input changes. You know, if I said, oh, well, I'm going to add more of this, the super lemon haze would say, well, that's too much or that's too little or, you know, right. you need to focus on this. And, and so, yeah, the plant tells you how it wants to be grown. And that's why every grower is so different because they interpret that differently. Yeah. And, and to be attuned to that, like Trevor is, it's, it's really a benefit to have that on your team. Yeah, Absolutely. for sure. Yeah. I, it strikes me, I, I don't know if you guys have read any uh, Michael Pollan's books. Um, he's like a, a food writer, really interesting guy, but he talked about, you know, he wrote that book, The Omnivore's Dilemma. Uh, yeah. Really, really kind of hip uh, take on what plants are. And he you know, was saying about, he, he noticed the relationship between a bee and a flower and the humans. You know, it looked like that the the bee was you know everything was working for the bee it was actually everybody was working for the flower you know the flower is what's the most reproduced thing around like corn look how much corn there is in the world mm-hmm. corn outnumbers humans by a long shot <laughs> it's corn if you were an alien just looking at the planet whatever the most successful thing it'd be like bacteria and corn or something well that's thanks to the beef industry right yeah. right yeah exactly <laughs> uh thanks for the barbecue by the way it was <laughs> uh, but no so uh thinking of that all this you know there's all this who's working for who what plant is doing what who's communicating with what mike you're a real estate guy (laughs) i want to know what you think about all this i mean you know never mind the entomology and the 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 beautiful science behind it but what about the more uh you know traditionally hippie aspects of this conversation Well, I mean, the thing that strikes me, so so one of the things that's really fun about my position is I get to dabble in the plant care, but I don't have to develop the level of expertise that, that my partners have. Um, but what, what strikes me about it is that when you look across all of the various aspects of the agricultural industry nowadays, um, we're really the last bastion that hasn't been completely ground down to... Um, to a bare essentials production cost model like you have in corn. I mean, you, know, if you bring up corn, right? The entire corn industry is built on 100 years of government subsidies where production is paid for. I mean, we are, the majority of our food supply in this country is filled with corn syrup, which is a direct result of the government subsidizing corn because people are trying to figure out ways. They grow it so cheap. They grow so much of it. People are trying to figure out ways to use it. One of the things that's really fun about our industry is that we haven't gone through that process and there really aren't best practices because, I mean, these guys that wrote the books that, that Greg is talking about, I mean, they're growing in their garage. So Monsanto hasn't come in and ground us all into the dirt and created a $20 a pound production cost yet. So yeah, we have, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> well, the old it's, botanic here. Botanic, well, yeah, yeah. And, but, but the neat thing about it from our standpoint is that because those best practices haven't been developed, it makes a space in which normal farmers like us, if you're really willing to put the work in, can develop business models and cultivation models that can be grown literally from the ground up, that are responsive to the plants. So, you know, 
us four little nobodies, we were able to do the kind of experimentation that was occurring in major universities a hundred years ago in big agriculture. Uh, but we're getting to do it on this microcosmic scale under our own control uh, with our sleeves rolled up. And, uh, and it's an extraordinary experience. And it's really rare. I mean, you can't... I would challenge you to name any other industry that gets to have the kind of freedom to develop its own operating procedures that we have. And so uh, it's, and it, it's really cool to watch. And to do so as a group of, um, as a community. I mean, this strikes me, I hate to use, I don't want to use the word commune because that sends a weird. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. I mentioned that there is, I didn't notice any corduroy. But you guys. Because we're all naked. Yeah. <laughs> well, my old, my old farm, that. we called ourselves the Ranch Davidians. Nice. <laughs> well, uh, I'm not going to mention which one of you has the perfect penis for podcasting. But, uh, That'd be Dave. But, <laughs> Dave. <laughs> He said it, not me, oh, folks. God. But, uh, I mean, the, the fact that you guys get to do this as buddies on a farm where you've got, you know, your break room is yeah. a, a Frisbee golf course <laughs> that you have. I mean, we've we've just shown up here on a Sunday uh, for a barbecue with, I mean, they're friends of yours. I imagine there seemed like there was some, like, distributors and people who would, you know, who are tertiary yeah. parts of the industry. Talk but, the like, trimmers. Trim, yeah, I mean, you guys have, like, I don't know, it's that well, old culture it, of I a mean, farm community where was, like... And this is a perfect example. So we had tonight, we had a couple of guys that are have been on a trim crew for a month that are brand new to the industry and that are literally at the absolute entry level, a couple of brand new bud tenders sitting having a conversation with the owners of the largest retail operation in the state with 23 active stores. And, you know, this is one of the really fun things about our farm and probably my favorite thing about it is the the experience of the entire industry top to bottom where you can sit in a place. I mean, imagine if you were doing a podcast where you had, you know, the managing partners at a couple of Wall Street banks yeah. sitting across from the owners of Walmart right. sitting there smoking a joint with one of their checkers, right? <laughs> yeah. Shit doesn't happen. It, it cannot. But it, it, it does yeah. happen here, and it's right. this really special window in time and place yeah. that we get to be a part of. What I'm hoping, the, the best, the greatest hope for this particular podcast in my, in my uh, hope of hopes is that someone right now, as they're listening to this, not right now, but in the future, listening to this, is on their way to like a networking event for their company. And they're listening to this and they're like, wait a minute, I gotta go to a, a Holiday Inn in fucking Idaho <laughs> and, and meet my colleagues from, I'm quitting this goddamn job and I'm moving to Oregon right away. So hopefully, if you're out there listening right now, feel yeah, free to quit that job. You gotta be a hard worker, you yeah, gotta compete. Roll up your sleeves, quit that job, come out here and get naked. Yeah, why uh, not? If you're a real good worker, give us a call. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and, call. And, and of course, they're willing to work naked. If yeah. you're willing. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of that, let's pass the mic to Dave. <laughs> Speaking of naked. Speaking of naked and made for. Naked and afraid. Yeah. Dave, Dave are you sitting across from our head of human resources right now? Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> So Dave, uh, speaking of the the hard work, it sounds like kind of your your role into this has been. I mean, you guys have all clearly worked your asses off, but I got to talk to Dave about something, man. So, no, uh, you, you your role into this has been through just sweat 
and and work yeah. and and bust an ass. Oh, he's the most tenacious of us. Yeah. Yeah, Ta- just working working with the scissors. Is that the That's... is that the Wisconsin the, the beef steak roots or what's what's uh what's pushing that? Where's um, that ethic I guess from? I just kind of had the knack for it when I came out here and I started trimming. I would trim with a team of, you know, a dozen people and I always ended up being at least double absolutely everyone else's bag. Wow. And so oh, Dave is Dave is a unicorn. Yeah. Dave Dave is the five pound a day trimmer that no one can ever get. Yep. If you own a farm and you get Dave on your farm, you don't let him leave. Yeah. You know, this is it, it's I've I've had maybe seventy trimmers in my day. You mean in, they were seventy year olds? They were all. I, I've had them. I actually had one of the first. Uh, one of the first contestants on Jeopardy. Oh, no, the uh, the very first episode of Jeopardy, one of the contestants was one of my trimmers. So was your grandmother. Yes, it was my grandmother and her oh, church wow. group. That but, is beautiful. But Dave, of all the trimmers I've seen, and I've had some really good trimmers. I mean, Dave blows him out of the water. I mean, and and then he takes that skill and he takes it into the greenhouse with the cleanup of the plants. I mean, I don't know. You talk no, about No, I mean, I, I appreciate you saying that. And I mean, that's kind of what I pride myself on. And it's the the most I could do for the group. It's, it's the job I can do best. And so why not stick to it and crush it as much as I can? Man, well said. Sounds like a good team. Well, I mean, we, we harvested... Uh, a third of the greenhouse in three hours and then we harvested the next third of the greenhouse in three hours and the reason that we were able to do it so quick is because i mean dave <laughs> i don't know how you did i it. guess the only thing that's kind of s- fucked up is i'm sitting here with guys that are all under six foot and i'm the only six <laughs> three foot dude bent <laughs> over in uh, two foot at space <laughs> punched over for day after day oh. again i'm not complaining uh, that's just that, that's what i'm good at so i'm gonna do it and you're living in the smallest house. Yeah. On the farm. Yeah. <laughs> but he gets Trevor. It, yeah. Well, you do get Trevor. I do it for yeah. Trevor. Yeah. <laughs> the second best penis in podcasting. Here. It's all about having the right distance from the microphone, right? Just a perfect distance. Yeah. Speaking of which, pass the mic to Mike. All right. So, Mike, uh, I mean, we're kind of hearing what everybody's role is, but... From your estimation, what's everyone's role? Starting with you, like what if you had? I mean, do you guys have job titles? <laughs> Is that a thing? They're pretty funny. Yeah, yeah I, I kind of want to hear those, and yeah. maybe you know, if you don't mind my, sharing the. Um, my my job title, my business card says "guy who works there," um, <laughs> and that that's my official job title. Um, but yeah, no, no, I I do the business development sales and kind of try and handle the non-cultivation related portions of the business the finance um etc to keep these guys focused on production um you know greg has the most experience in terms of raw cultivation he really is the one who handles troubleshooting diagnostics uh, development of cultivation methods etc uh, Trevor has been able to really come in and manage a lot of the day-to-day operations, keep the rest of us doing what we're supposed to be doing, and he's developed a really extensive expertise in botany and the actual plant care through that process. And Dave really handles everything that occurs post-harvest. And so one of the things that cracks me up about Dave is like we'll have these professional trim crews that come out 
that are targeting you know two pounds a day for their top tier guys Dave will trim three pounds a day while still managing the rest of the trim crew and cleaning up after them and telling wow. them what they're doing wrong so <laughs> so That's you know crazy. we kind of each have our own spheres that we try and and make sure that we maintain responsibility over um, but there's I mean you know when you got basically there's six guys that. running a 15,000 foot operation yeah. it's like you know everybody does everything yeah I can imagine yeah we haven't mentioned Cody What's the, the moose? moose. The moose. Well, Cody's been drunk for three days though, so I don't think he has <laughs> But he did show up in a in a school bus it playing is. 80s music <laughs> at 70 decibels. That was an, a unique text for us to get because we. I'll, I'll just give a little context. We uh, we are both to one another, strangers from the internet. Like I, I don't know you guys. We've been introduced through. Uh, bizarre from, from instagram yeah, essentially yeah yeah it's a weird story Trevor, but so Trevor caught them on uh, the, the the speaking yeah. oh, okay. <laughs> but we we didn't know anything about you guys we didn't know anything about old apple farm we i just got a message from a guy who said hey uh we're having a barbecue this weekend i've you know uh we live on this farm this pot farm why don't you come check it out uh come see us so we did uh we didn't know if this was i mean we were driving through like very respectable very uh, conservative-looking neighborhood, thinking, what in the fuck are we rolling into, man? Is this going to be some crazy gun-toting rednecks? Are we going to be like... Uh, we, we're gun-toting hippies. Though. I was like... <laughs> yeah. I was hoping... Get like, it correct. Yeah, don't don't try and come here and, you know, right, right. uninvited. No. We get that text, we get that text from you that uh, I've been... I've been kidnapped in a short bus bumping 80s music i should be there when you get back right that was a literal text yeah, that, that i had to say that's, that's, that's a quote I was, I was like i'm just gonna leave that one alone yeah i was wondering why you didn't respond <laughs> to i was that. like i oh, will just see him there i don't i really don't know what to say to that it will it, <laughs> it, go it, for it calm me down on the fears that it was like right wing weirdo like super strict i was like okay maybe it's a bunch of gay dudes that's cool yeah. man. <laughs> that, that, i have that would well, be great we'll have a great time it'd be cool but that's not what it was I mean, well, maybe it is. I don't. So I'm not judging not, anybody. We're, it's cool. I don't judge it. We're kind of on an island here, as far <laughs> as uh, we're we're surrounded, definitely surrounded by red, and uh, we're the blue right in the middle. Where? Okay. All right. All right. Any? We're yeah. All right. We're pink, or isn't that? Is that something to do with communism? Um. Anyways. <laughs> When we when we first got going here, uh, we weren't even totally living on the farm yet. Mike and I were still coming out every day to work on the tiny house, and uh, every day that we would come out here on the way out, we would stop at our local. It's it's a saloon. That's how that's it's called the Beaver Creek Saloon. That's how redneck we are out here. And if, we would, if you hear this and you're nearby, go there. Yeah, go to the Beaver Creek Saloon if you if that's you the need local, huh? uh, to like feed that. your toilet. <laughs> <laughs> that's the way to go. Anyways, uh, Mike and I would stop in there every morning. I mean, we'd get up pretty early, so we'd probably stop in there at 7.30 a.m. and have ourselves a breakfast burrito and a pitcher of beer to split between us, you know? Because, I mean, you can't, you can't work. You can't, <laughs> you can't work the day away without a little, a little something. And... Uh, I remember it was right when Trump had gotten elected, the very first day we walked in. And I mean, I, not to exaggerate, we were seriously, I, I know at least myself, I was looking so mopey and just <laughs> sad. It was a rough day. And I walked in. Of disbelief. And the, I mean, we, so there's two. 
There's two parts of the restaurant. One's a restaurant, the other side's a bar. I mean, obviously, we don't go to the restaurant side. We go to the bar side. (laughs) So we walk into the bar, and the bartender is like, how's it going? And I was like, oh, God, can you believe this shit? And she's like, I know, right? How amazing is this? Like, we're finally, she's got the hat on. And I obviously, I guess I should have looked up. I was looking down too much. And uh, and I was like, oh, shit. Because it, it was pretty clear that I was kind of sad about who had gotten elected. And Mike looks at me and he's like, great. So we're going to have spit in our food for a year, at least, if not four, if maybe eight. It depends on who if he gets reelected. You got, you, got, you got to let me Dude, yeah. the, the best part on this is the same bartender who's become a good friend of ours over over time. It took us about a year to win her over, but the the you know going from the whole like you hoodlums might be the only good guys that grow weed kind of thing, um, you know, and and being uh, yeah, she probably spat in our food for not, not more than six months. I don't, I don't think more. Than yeah, six but I, I like it like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, but no, and so eventually the one beer. day she she calls me over and I've just got done harvesting, so I just reek of weed. I'm like got trim. <laughs> falling off my shirt and, and I go in for a beer she calls me up and she's like hey hey do you do you 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 guys you guys grow pot out at your farm and I was like yeah we grow weed what about it and everybody sad, looks over but I uh, was like hey hey shh my, the owner the owner can't know but but my my cousin she's kind of in the 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 pot industry and uh, and she's kind of coming out here and maybe she could call you about a job or something and so I was like ah shit they're not gonna spit in our food anymore yeah that was, that yeah. was the end of the story that's perfect <laughs> perfect oh, no, the, same, the same bartender just this last week when you guys left she was asking us about growing and stuff oh yeah she yeah. was seriously interested well it's just oh, you great. know and you, you see that a lot buy brownies. I mean even <laughs> in the last even in the last like 12 months like I I, I can't we had a few people when we first got started that were obviously antagonistic sure. and like didn't sure. want anything to do with it and were angry. Some of the neighbors, but that's because we were blowing shit up a lot. Different story. Um, <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, the cops. there was yeah, well, there were some high explosives. Well, yeah. and <laughs> well, no, I think that is that is worth talking about. That's a great. <laughs> that is a great story. That's a great story. <laughs> the cops came to our farm and didn't care about the grow. That's amazing. The neighbors yeah. called because, you know, we, we blew up a, an explosive, which was non-incendiary. We yeah. followed the laws. <laughs> well, but the, the best part is the cop comes down, and he's like, oh, no, I don't care about the weed. I just want to make sure there isn't a body down there where you guys blew <laughs> yeah, that up. He so. wanted to inspect <laughs> the wow. crater. He, wanted, he, he saw the crater from the explosive, and then he went on his way, and we haven't had a single legal issue since. Yeah. That is a beautiful story. <laughs> and on top of that, the... The electricity upgrade we had, it was 60 days, and a lot of that was because of a couple of mistakes we made. But in California, it was 13 months just to get the plans approved wow. to be able to start your build-out. So that, that was a question I had. Uh, the, the county's in. Like, they, they want this here. They, they see the revenue. They see the future. I mean, or are you running up against potential uh, headaches that way? Well, I mean, one of the one of the reasons we chose a property in Clackamas County specifically is because they work really hard to be not only non-obstructive but actively helpful. And um, you know, I've I've dealt with a lot of government organizations over the years and various businesses, and I have to say, like Clackamas County and the OLCC, the people that administer on a day-to-day basis, are really helpful. I mean, you go in there, you can sit down, you have a conversation with them, you're like. 
you know, dealing with issues directly related to cultivation and they work with you to come up with solutions that make sense. And, you know, there's, there's a, there's still some antagonism in the community and some people that don't want weed growers right next to their house, but, uh, the county and the people running it are really helpful out here. highly encouraging and I wonder it's becoming a, a less and less sophisticated worldview to have anything negative to say about pot you know all the old it's you know the reefer madness that's slowly dying but are you are you guys working on anything to other than just making a good quality product that people enjoy like do you have to deal with that at all or is there a plan to sort of address that sort of thing yeah I mean um like like we were just Mike was just talking about we're whether you support the industry or not and we've had a number of uh people come out construction people and and whatnot and electricians that aren't totally in favor of it but like we have our industry at least have has supported the community in so many different ways where you know, we're the ones, and, and not just us, but every other farm, there's farms all over the place, and they're hiring the electricians, the construction workers, the plumbers, they're bringing out the water master, the well drillers. I mean, we are just bringing, we don't have much money, but we're bringing as much money as we can to the community and pumping it into it, and it's, whether you support weed or not, like, we are are definitely just bringing business to everybody. And as soon as people come in and they start, you know, they, they see what we're doing and maybe they talk about how they're not exactly in favor of it and we start having a conversation because that's that's the one thing that a lot of people just don't do enough and we are, are just all about is, okay, if, if you're not a, about it, that's fine and we're not here to change your mind, but let's like talk about it. Let's just have a conversation and I, I don't think there's a single person that has left this farm as against weed as they are that leaves and is still against weed. You know, whether they think that, uh, you know, it's going to, I don't know how they think that it's going to, you know, increase crime and, and people are going to be buying it on every corner and kids are going to get it everywhere. And it's like, no, I mean, when alcohol went legal... Can you go buy, is a kid going to go buy a beer on the corner? Yeah. <laughs> no, you have to like beg somebody to go into a store yeah, to buy for luck. you. And most people are going to say no way because that's it's just so illegal. You know, I mean, we all grew up, it, weed was not something hard to find. Like, right. give me a break. It was, it was easier yeah, easy. to get weed than it was to get alcohol. And now that it's legal, it's in the shops. You have to have an ID. You get ID'd when you go into the shops. It's highly regulated. Less kids are smoking it. And so we're bringing money in and we're also reducing the crime rate and we're helping just open people's minds. We're not 
out there trying to change people's minds, but just getting in a conversation and explaining at least our point of view. I, I mean, everybody comes to see the realization that like this is actually pretty pretty damn good for not only our community but maybe just society in general. What if you're making America great again right now? Oh man! Succeeding? Yeah. Well, I mean, we we spend so every day. We yeah, spend every day naked smoking weed. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> how much better can you get than that? I guess. Oh man! Do you have anything you want to ask him? I know you got. I do have questions. one question. How did you come up with the name Old Apple Farm? Oh, Mike, you tell this one. It's your daughter. My, uh, well, I, we didn't actually no. come up with the names. Um, my my little twin daughters were uh, two and a half when we bought the farm, and the first time they. You know, it's, it, it was an old apple farm. The farm was originally homesteaded in 1900, and about 90 years ago they had the whole place planted with apples. And um, and so, you know, I told the girls that it was an old apple farm that we had bought. And or, and, uh, and they, uh, about two weeks later, they're like, Daddy, me want to go back to old apple farm. And I started thinking, I was like, well, if a two-year-old can remember this name for two weeks, it's, <laughs> it's pretty sticky. And, yeah. uh, and it's actually ended up being really cool because, you know, one of the, the, there's a lot of challenges in terms of branding yourself in this industry, you know, because you've got two very distinct groups you're targeting. And we call them like the, the traditional consumers, which are your like, you know, alien head bong, like Cheech and Chong posters, like, you know, old school countercultural mentality where everything's got to be purple and neon green, etc. And then you've got a lot of new people coming into the market too, baby boomer generation, etc. And they they can't identify with that. And so we were kind of like looking for a brand where we could be like, hey, you know, we we can appeal a little bit to both of those sectors. And uh, and luckily, my two year olds just just had it dialed, you know, after all those yeah. marketing classes from the mouths <laughs> of babes. <laughs> we we have actually have a friend here, uh, Alder. She's sitting with us. She does some growing as well. And we met her. Hi, Alder. Hey, hey Alder. Hi. Hi. Um, we met her, we, we actually, uh, we attend talks all the time cause we're just constantly, and that's one cool thing about the weed industry is everybody is always trying to improve and learn. Uh, oh yeah. Bloom. Shout out to Bloom. Bloom's always putting on these talks. Right. And yeah, so we go to this meeting and, and, uh, it, this one in particular was me and, uh, Kenny and we were wearing our old apple farm hats and we're listening to the meeting. We had plenty of questions and. We introduced ourselves to Alder at the end, and we we about halfway through the conversation, finally she looks at me and she goes, "Oh, so you guys do grow weed?" And I was a little confused. She was, yeah, yeah. She was like, "Wait, okay, because I saw your hat and it said old apple farm. I wasn't sure if you guys just grow apples and you're just really interested in, yeah, I don't know, nutrients and regenerative soil and uh, and all that. You know, it's very logical. It's it's one fun thing. We even our logo. It, you know, it's an apple and it does have a pot leaf on it, but it's it's a small little one in the corner and and uh, I like to consider it like a wink. It's a nod that just we're not out here some of the some of the people are just you know their shops and everything have these signs and it's like pot weed god you know ganja dink dope and and like mike said neon neon signs and you know weed sells itself you know as much as you know we do have to work at, at selling it but 
Mike's, we, Mike's signing off. Everybody you know, say bye. <laughs> bye, bye. Good night. Bye, Mike. Good night, Mike. Mike's got to go put his daughters to bed. Yeah. He's got three of them, twins. Oh, and, yeah. That's the yeah, scariest they all came at once. that's been made here yet. <laughs> okay, sorry, man. We're, we're back. We're trying to get the Bud, oh. Bud Light signs out of uh, marijuana. How yeah, basically, that? that's exactly it. We, we don't have to stand out here, shove it in everybody's face, and say, look what we're doing. It's weed. Smoke this weed. Smoke this dope. It's ganja. It's, it's going to get you high, man. You know, it's, it's like... Make a decision for yourself. Yeah, you do what you want. It's available. We're going to do it as, as responsibly as we can. And that's, that's about it. You know, yeah. we don't have to shove it in your face. We're the old apple farm. We have this yeah. gorgeous property we love and enjoy with i mean when we do play like you said we play the frisbee golf yeah. i i think we probably eat like 20 apples while we're <laughs> playing a single round on the front nine i can imagine you know and I can imagine. but we don't have to uh that's just we're just all about nature our you know yeah. having fun our our buddies we're all friends we're having a good time we're trying to do it as responsibly as we can and and stay compliant i mean the well the responsibly thing is you mentioned greg that uh you guys have zero wastewater none of the wastewater or water hits the uh the water table here like the water that you use on the plants doesn't make it in right. the soil here yeah so <laughs> like we figured Sorry, out this I'm amazing thing with this microphone no, it's all good um yeah so you know uh when i first started getting into growing a lot of the friends i had were all hydro growers and they were doing drip to waste or, you know, aeroponic systems, and they were dumping right into the water table just all of these heavy mineral-based nutrients. And, you know, I always took pride because from day one, I always grew in soil. And when I didn't grow in soil, I made sure that, you know, I did a couple of hydro, uh, ebb and flow, aeroponics, DWC, but I always made sure that I disposed of it responsibly. You know, I diluted it and I had a tree orchard, you yeah. know, so I had a high nitrogen yeah. mix. I'm going to go ahead and throw it in the tree orchard right, right. or nursery. And, uh, you know, what we do here is it's, there's no runoff. It's 100% consumed by the plants. All the water, it either evaporates or it's consumed by the plants. And uh, all of our water that we use for the plants comes from the sky. It doesn't, you know, we're not, what's that? Yeah, the spring. Yeah, the spring water here. I mean, it's yeah. unbelievable. The pH coming out of the ground, 6.22. And uh, the pond that we pump from is 20 parts per million. Yeah. And that's only because I'm using Hannah's new meter that doesn't, <laughs> that doesn't do uh, single digits. Right. So it's right. between 10 and 20 parts per million. It's wow. unbelievable. I mean, you're using brand new water and ancient water mm -hmm. from the sky and from the spring. Your pond that we saw, there's like a, a almost an acre pond. Would you say a half acre pond, maybe? Or it's no, it's a probably a quarter, quarter acre. acre? It's, it's, yeah. it's not that big, but it's. I live in a van. Everything yeah. looks <laughs> fucking. Yeah. That thing looked like it was a mile to me. I could have <laughs> like couldn't have swam across and back. Wouldn't have made it. Well, but, the, no, the, but the, that koi pond's full of uh, intent. You've got intention behind yeah. just about everything I've seen here, and that's um, like when I think of somebody being responsible, it's somebody doing something intentionally. Right. And if you're, you know, if you're intentionally fucking things up, 
well, then that's the kind of person you are. But most people don't intentionally do that. You're intentionally doing the right thing here, which I think is really right. Well, there's only so much you can sustain using your resources. Yeah. And if and if we were to abuse our resources, I mean, yeah, we got 23 acres, but that's not a lot when you talk about sure. how these resources in, intermingle with each other. Yeah. And so you you have to be very aware of that. And you know, we live in a world where things are not as good as they could be and from my point of view is I can't change other people but I can at least do what I want to do yeah and and that's what I choose to do and I, I think about that with every action I make you know I try to be as as little wasteful as possible you know so simple as rejecting a receipt sometimes or no bag yeah. at the grocery store yeah you know I mean it's, it's the tiny things they build up yeah well said man that's uh I, I, I want to buy some. <laughs> well, you I'll know, go to the I mean, store and buy some. Well, you're here. We'll, we'll hook you up. <laughs> well, this is, uh, I don't know. I, I feel like I could ask you a zillion questions, but. Um, well, you know, I'm also one, one real thing I did. Suddenly, like all those great questions I had. I, I did. I, I did want to remark on something you said at the very beginning. You yeah. you said that you had recently been to Sonoma and and been to the wineries, and yeah. you weren't you weren't really buying the vibe there. Yeah. And and I can I can feel what you're saying, but a lot of my view of how this industry should be and how it is is from the wine industry in Santa Barbara County. I was there before, you know, I mean, the movie Sideways came out and it turned it into a popular place. But before that, it was a bunch of salt of the earth farmers sure. doing the best they could with the knowledge they had. Yeah. You know, you look at, at how they handled things. I mean, their their approach to, uh, can you, uh, um, their approach to, uh, you know, some of the problems like powdery mildew and other things that affect us in the industry, not very good, but it kind of teaches us a lesson. Yeah. You know, that there's alternate ways and, and we learned that and that has a lot to do with the profitability of, of pot at the very beginning days of it. You know, we, we learned alternate ways of solving problems. Yeah. And now with, I have to say that Oregon's recreational laws are restrictive, but they're so good. When you look at at their testing on pesticides and things like that in California and and it goes across the country because California feeds the country the pesticides they use they use Avid, Floramite, Eagle 20, Banner Max I mean these are some of these uh, fungicides they use like Eagle 20 or Banner Max people won't even play on golf courses where they use it you're joking wow. right and they put it right on the leaf of the plant and what Oregon has done is they have developed a database of all of these pesticides and they test for each one of them and if you you know if you if you don't pass the test you can't go to market you have to destroy it you have to show your weed to a camera for three days and then destroy it wow yeah, so it's it's that's I what I love that. about yeah. being up here is that yeah, <laughs> you know it might seem like bureaucracy to some people, but to me it just seems like you know a due diligence. Yeah, it's effective. It's what bureaucracy I think was maybe meant to do. Exactly. <laughs> it's the actual. Instead, purpose. it's all about who can who can spend some time with a with a counselor with a councilman. Right on. Yeah, uh, it's it's inspiring to me, man, and uh, I I know this is a farm. And farms get up early 
and it's yeah. getting late. It's 10 o'clock. No, yeah, it's, 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 it's been so much fun chatting with you I guys. Know, man. Uh, I, I could keep doing this. We're, we're going to hang out with you again in the morning. But, uh, right on. So Sick. I want to yeah. drive. Yeah, we'll be some, up at 5. Some people we'll to there. you. What, uh, how, do, how do people find out more about Old Apple Farm? Uh, well, you can check us out at oldapplefarm.com. Um, our Instagram is uh, Old Apple Farm. Yeah, it's got a bunch of underscores, but you just type in Old Apple Farm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you'll you'll notice the logo. It's an apple that says Old Apple Farm. All very right. very recognizable. Cool. <laughs> we got Facebook as well. Yeah, we got the Facebook, uh, the page on Facebook, and uh, I'd really just tell anyone to go to the website. It's it's yeah. really cool. You can see our lab results. We we really do produce some high quality weed. We're not growing production stuff. We're not all about yield we're all about quality yeah and you know we sacrifice yield by making sure that our inputs are all quality inputs yeah so if you're out there in any other state you got to come to oregon to get it but if, yeah we're all over all over portland if you're trying to uh, all over oregon yeah if you're trying to grow uh grass in any other part of the country take a page out of this book this is the way to do it man i i, I can see where it's heading um you know, if monsanto gets involved well, I mean, they're already like involved. Yeah. They just kind of hide it between companies. Right. Yeah. But if anyone wants to reach out and ask any questions, I'm here, uh, Greg at oldapplefarm.com. Uh, I'll take on any weed growing questions, um, general agriculture even. Wow. And uh, I'm sure Trevor, yeah, Trevor at oldapplefarm.com. You're on the spot. You're going to get some weird emails. Yeah. Man. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do a lot of the work with the Instagram. So if you guys DM us on the uh, old Apple Farm Instagram, that's the best way to go. Uh, like Greg said, also, we don't we don't use all the pesticides. We use uh, biocontrols. We also have our living soil, cover crops. We provide our habitats for predators. We have trap plants. We I mean, we were doing it as, uh, yeah. you know, it's legit. regenerative, responsible, everything that we can. So if you guys do have questions, like he said, you can email him or DM us on Instagram and we'll try and uh, keep it updated and keep you guys informed as well. Beautiful. Anything from the best penis and podcast? Oh, yeah. I don't know. I think that's all there is to it. <laughs> wrap, wrap it up. Yeah, yeah. wrap it up. Thank, Thank you. you guys very much. Oh, it's, it's been our very, pleasure. Very, very nice to be here. And I... I I got a great penis. <laughs> <laughs>listening to the monkey tooth podcast if you haven't already or it's been a while check out our website mtp.dog there's plenty of information there an about tab with a little bio on andrew myself and our dog pele there's also a van build tab detailing how we did our van conversion a journal tab and we as an andrew are doing our best to keep that up to date and last but not least a contact tab where you can leave your thoughts, suggestions, or questions. You can also contact us on social media. We are on Facebook and Instagram, Monkey Tooth Podcast. If you would like to donate and or subscribe to the cause, you can go to Patreon and GoFundMe at Monkey Tooth Podcast. Patreon is not just a place to subscribe. We post lots of content there as well.
We greatly appreciate each and every one of you. Love to all. Get, get, get.